Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Desgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. And what is this a podcast of? It's happiness and wellness and amazing people doing amazing things. And you know what? Yes, there is some medicine in this. I always like to give updates on up-to-date things that are going to be in society and raising awareness about disease states. Now, I got to tell you, that is my jam. And April, which according to right now is next month, is actually one of my favorite months because it's about sarcoidosis awareness. And many of you would be like, what did he just say? We'll talk about sarcoid in a second, but we have a very special guest today. We have the CEO of something called FSR. What is that? The Foundation of Sarcoidosis Research. So this is a leading international organization dedicated to finding a cure for sarcoidosis and improving care for sarcoid patients through research, education, and support. And it was established in 2000. FSR has fostered over 6 million in sarcoidosis-specific research efforts. So this is why I'm so pumped up to have Mary McGowan, who is the CEO, here today. And before I introduce you to Mary, I got to read her bio. And we are just teasing that, wow, she really accomplished quite a bit. Uh, Mary joined FSR as the organization's first-ever chief executive officer in 2020. As CEO, Mary serves as the primary representative and spokesperson for FSR and leads the organization's strategic vision with patient engagement, strategic partnerships, fundraising, advocacy efforts, program direction, and aggressive communications and research agenda. Mary brings 35 years of nonprofit leadership and management experience to this role. Prior to joining FSR, she served as executive director at the Myositis Association, the TMA. As executive director of TMA, Mary was featured and highlighted as a preeminent, I just love that word, uh, rare disease leader by numerous entities, including the American Autoimmune Related Diseases Association, Global Genes, and the National Organization for Rare Diseases for her innovative national campaigns, including women of color and myositis and her leading telemedicine initiatives for autoimmune patients during COVID-19. Prior to her time at TMA, Mary served as the CEO for Women Heart, the National Coalition for Women with Heart Disease. During her eight years with Women Heart, McGowan ensured the organization's long-term growth and sustainability as the leading voice for the 48 million American women living with or at risk for heart disease. Mary also served as the executive director of the Allergy and Asthma Network, the leading nonprofit organization dedicated to eliminating suffering and death due to asthma, allergies, and related conditions. And last but not least, she held various positions with the American Academy of Pediatrics, 
during her service of 18 years. Mary has a master's degree in human resources development from George Washington University and a BA from Trinity University. And I don't think there's anything else to be said. Mary, thank you for coming on the show today. How are you doing? Oh, Dr. Raj, thank you so much for this extraordinary opportunity to spend some time with you this morning on this wonderful podcast. It's just an honor to be here. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for that bio information. <laughs> well, you're super welcome. You know, everyone I had breakfast with Mary and Mary, did we have a nice breakfast? Did you love that place I brought you to? I just loved it. I haven't had a vegetarian uh, omelet like that, as I told you, ever. It was just spectacular. So, again, an honor to spend some time with you over breakfast as well recently. Totally, totally. So, you know, I think that, you know, because I do have medical and non-medical listeners, I think we should define what sarcoid is. And I always love playing doctor, and I want you to be my medical student on this one. So I'm going to quiz you. If you had to explain, and I'm going to say more to the general public, like, what is sarcoid? How would you define what sarcoid is? Sarcoidosis is an inflammatory disease, and it really starts with the formation of tiny inflammatory cells that develop into granulomas. And these granulomas can impact any organ in the body. And in most cases, it can impact multiple organs at the same time. Now, 90% of people with sarcoidosis have lung involvement, meaning that they have uh, these tiny granulomas in their lungs, which can cause some respiratory problems. But again, it can occur in any organ in the body. So as an example, there's cardiac sarcoidosis, obviously in your heart, there's ocular sarcoidosis in your eyes. Dermatologically, sarcoidosis can impact your skin, uh, your spleen, your liver, your kidney, any organ. So it's critically important that everybody know about sarcoidosis. Uh, and it does impact, they estimate about 200,000 people in the United States and 1.2 million people worldwide. Man, I mean, you would be one of my like honor medical students with that answer. That, that was awesome. <laughs> let me let me play a little doctor there and just say, yeah, sarcoid definitely affects the lung was like 90 plus percent, which is why pulmonologists like myself are involved. Second most common organ is skin. You nailed it with that. And I always tell, you know, my patients that there are three organs that I get a, a little palpitations about when they're involved because, you know, it could go the wrong way pretty quick. That's always the brain, the eyes and the heart. And you nailed that those by mentioning that because that always concerns me. Let me ask you this. Diagnosis, in your opinion, is it an easy disease to diagnose or does sometimes does it get under or misdiagnosed? What do you think? It's a very challenging disease to diagnose. All rare diseases typically are as well, right? Uh, yeah, because yeah. there are 9,000 rare diseases. That's a lot for doctors to keep up with. And it is a challenging disease. Again, going back to it, it can impact any organ. And so doctors have to be very astute for looking for sarcoidosis uh, when they are examining patients. And typically, we hear patient stories of diagnosis sometimes taking up to five years to get an accurate diagnosis of sarcoidosis. A lot of times they are diagnosed with cancer. They're diagnosed with other types of respiratory issues. 
that unfortunately is not an accurate diagnosis. And uh, going doctor to doctor to doctor does eventually lead them to an accurate diagnosis. Now, having said that, it's very unfortunate. We get numerous calls at FSR where someone may have recently just passed from a cardiac event, as an example, And it's not until the autopsy is done that the family finds out that their loved one actually had cardiac sarcoidosis and nobody ever knew it. And they were never accurately diagnosed with cardiac sarcoidosis. So again, a challenging, uh, you know, disease sarcoidosis to diagnose. And we're so grateful to the leading physicians out there like you, Dr. Raj, who keep sarcoidosis at the forefront. And when they're meeting with patients and looking at signs and symptoms of things that may be ailing them. Well said. I, I, want, I always wanted to sense my own thing, but you did that so great. So, you know, of all the diseases that needs a spokesperson, I'm going to throw some random ones out there. I mean, whether it's going to be autism, whether it's going to be Tourette's, whether it's narcolepsy, whether it's going to be, you know, cystic fibrosis. Why did you choose sarcoid. And did you know a lot about sarcoid before even joining FSR? I learned about sarcoid uh, when I was in the interviewing process. And I was so excited to learn about the disease and to think about my background. As you mentioned, I was in the respiratory space for a number of years. I was in the heart space for a number of years. So taking some of these larger chronic diseases and to think about coming to FSR where I could take what I learned from these larger chronic diseases and apply it in the rare disease space. So there was much crossover and I knew that this was the right position for me. I love it. Now, I want to do this one because I'm always about the patients. We met, I told you, making patients happy is my thing. And you do a lot of interacting with them. So from your interactions, patients who do suffer, unfortunately, from sarcoid, what are, in your opinion, the most common things that are just frustrating for patients when it comes to the disease? Treatment. Let me start with treatment. Okay. So there's only one FDA approved drug for sarcoidosis and most sarcoidosis patients are uh, provided with uh, steroids. And so steroids, uh, you know, they do work, but the problem or the challenge with steroids is there are significant side effects. There can be be bone loss, there can be weight gain, there can be many things that impact the general well-being of the individual who are on high doses for long periods of time of steroids. So this is something that I feel as a nation, we can and must do better for sarcoidosis patients. So we are so interested in advancing research Uh, for sarcoidosis. So number one, we can get a better understanding of the disease. And number two, so that we can hopefully help the nation to create better therapies for those living with sarcoidosis so that the patients don't have to, unfortunately, uh, live with the consequences of these high dosage uh, steroids. You know, one of my mentors way back when said that when you have sarcoid, that's disease the patients initially see them for. But he used to say in kind of a jovial way, but to get his point across, after they leave me for a few months, they get a new disease called steroidosis, you know? (laughs) 
So right. you nailed it. And the second thing I would add yeah, tell me. The frustration for patients is many sarcoidosis patients don't look sick. So they're living with what is called an invisible disease. And so many of their, even their family members, their friends, their colleagues, it's hard for them to really be able to specify exactly how difficult it is living with sarcoidosis when nobody really sees it necessarily. And so this can be a challenge for people living with an invisible disease. And this is what the power is when sarcoidosis patients get connected with FSR, the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, is now they have a family, if you will, of others who are impacted by sarcoidosis and they can share their stories. They can share their, what it's like living. They become empowered and they learn how to share their story with others uh, that can really help them in identifying what it is uh, like living with sarcoidosis. Man, I love interviewing you because, you know, there are some people with sarcoid, you know, that have chronic pain issues and just in general diseases that have pain issues where you don't see them up front and people live with that. And sometimes that's the hardest part is convincing others that they're going through something that you can't see that's horrible. So I think people are going to relate to your comment. So that was really well said, you know. So before we go into diving to FSR, the last thing I was going to ask you, because I was curious about this, is that you've done mainstream diseases, you know, women and heart disease is so important, asthma, that's me, I'm a lung doctor, and then you do rare stuff, myositis, my, my wife is a rheumatologist, it's not common, and sarcoid, so what's the difference between doing a really big disease state versus, you know, the David and Goliath story, what, what's the difference representing each one? Well, the first thing I want to say, the rare disease community is an extraordinary community. And I love working in this space because you have such collaboration uh, between all of the different rare disease organizations working together collectively to advance rare disease at large. And the National Organization for Rare Disease, Global Genes, these are organizations that help bring those of us who are in the rare disease space to this unified effort. Uh, and I have to say, I learned so much from my colleagues in this space, and it's just a great place to be able to move things forward uh, collectively in addition to individually. And then it is challenging, but to, from a fundraising perspective, let me talk about that. Yeah, so right. even, as, as a CEO, you know, it's all, it's gotta, you have to keep the organization moving. Yes, and yes, yes. In order yes. to keep a nonprofit moving, uh, you have to have money for everything okay. that you do. So that is a significant difference, Dr. Raj. In the yeah. heart space, we have multiple uh, <laughs> heart disease medications, FDA-approved drugs. We have multiple heart disease uh, devices. Uh, so there's funding that comes in from a number of different industry and manufacturer companies. And the same is true with the respiratory space. Mm -hmm, Many asthma medications, COPD, et cetera. Yeah. The rare disease space yeah. is really challenging because, <laughs> number one, as I said, there are not many FDA-approved drugs, right? No. And so no. there aren't industry partners who are going to, uh, to support you at a high level. And from an individual giving standpoint, 
a lot of people have never heard of sarcoidosis. They have a challenge even saying the word sarcoidosis. <laughs> so, you know, you have to know somebody or you have to have the disease itself, mm-hmm. you know, to really be motivated uh, okay. to be giving at, at an individual level. So those are some of the differences and some of the challenges that I that I wanted to point out. Uh, yeah. at, the CEO standpoint. Now, um, let me do this one because I want to make sure I really focus on the great things FSR is doing. So I want you to share a little bit of how FSR has been driving the advancement of research. And we just mentioned research already. So what are you guys doing? Well, we're doing a lot in the research space, as Mm -hmm. you uh, so politely, uh, when you were introducing me, talked about, and the organization talked Mm -hmm. about the fact that FSR has provided $6 million in research funding. So we provide uh, salaries for fellows who are doing research in the sarcoidosis space. And we also give out significant monies for pilot projects. So this is for doctors who feel that they have a, a good idea, a good thing that they would like to study as a pilot, uh, and we give them funding to do so. And then what happens there is many of those pilot projects are very successful, and the doctors go on to get additional funding, like from the NIH, to continue that important work. So that's what we are doing specifically in the funding place. But We also are doing a lot to support the disease model development, which helps us better understand the mechanism of the disease and the science of why particular therapeutics may be impactful as a a treatment strategy. We have built a very robust patient registry with over 6,000 patient participants from over 60 countries. Again, FSR is international, um, all of whom are sharing their lived experiences with the disease, helping us to better understand the way uh, the disease impacts the quality of life and mental health. We also have creation of strategies for patient-centered clinical trial models. Uh, We have moved the space from when I joined FSR just two years ago, there was one uh, sponsored clinical trial. Now there are nine. Uh, And so we're really excited about this. We see a lot more interest in uh, sarcoidosis from a research perspective. And finally, just our engagement with the FDA and NIH in order to prioritize sarcoidosis research and trials. We did a patient listening session uh, last year on pulmonary sarcoidosis, and we were so thrilled to see over 50, that's five zero, (laughs) 50 FDA representatives wow. participating in our patient <laughs> listening session. Uh, so that's really huge. And, and we just opened up a Washington, D.C. office because okay. of our advocacy work to increase funding and access and uh, working in the veteran space, too. Uh, veterans have a very high percentage of sarcoidosis. They patients, do. They so do. I want to recognize them. But the PACT Act that FSR advocated for in order to provide post-Gulf War veterans at higher risk of sarcoidosis access to disability support. Wow. Well, a couple things. Um, number one, when I have to visit your new office, my in-laws, my wife's mom, she lives in Potomac, Maryland. So I'm going to have to swing by DC next time I visit her. Come Absolutely. see you. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, you know, I think I'm going to kind of cascade off the, the 60 countries you guys are involved with. It's going to lead to this question because, I mean, in addition to the work you've been doing, you know, to lead the advances and we talked about research, I know that FSR has been working to bring clinicians and researchers from around the globe together to improve the diagnostics and clinical care through some groundbreaking initiative called the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance. Can you share a little bit about this program and why do you believe, and this is the question, it's going to be a game changer for sarcoidosis? Dr. Raj, I am so glad you asked this question. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about this. The FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance is an initiative that we just launched in April of last year. Okay. Uh, and the whole idea of this alliance is to bring all the hospitals and institutions together under this umbrella called the alliance to all work together collectively in okay. the fight against sarcoidosis. So from a patient perspective, it's our belief that every patient throughout the globe should have access to the most accurate information and patient support services. So when Alliance members join our organization, they get to send four patients for leadership training who get the understanding on how to establish and run a peer-led monthly support group and also how to be a community educator, educating the community through some fundraising events and some other initiatives. So there's a lot of patient involvement in this and patient empowerment in this program. Wow. Uh, The other thing that this membership program does is we do a lot in the clinician space. So we are now running quarterly clinician education and engagement series. Um, We just had one this past Saturday, actually. (laughs) And uh, so this brings clinicians from around the globe together to hear experts on particular topics that they tell us they want to hear about. The very first one we did was on COVID and we did it because that's what the Alliance members told us was top of mind for them. Sure. Uh, This one we just did on Saturday was on the future of sarcoidosis. And we had Dr. Janet Maynard from the FDA, who was the keynote speaker. Wow. Uh, The clinicians (laughs) got to hear from the FDA. Yeah. Yeah. And so, But we're also doing some other clinician programs as part of this alliance. Like now we do a sarcoidosis-specific journal club. Uh, And so they come together to talk about recent publications. We're doing a peer case review. So doctors get together globally to hear about some tough sarcoidosis cases and have a voice in those cases. And we record all of these events and we're developing a library of these different initiatives. So in just eight months, we had 38 institutions, hospitals join this alliance, which was basically just done one-on-one presentations about this opportunity. And so collectively, there is immense interest in this. There's such a collaborative spirit. And to your your final question about why is it going to be a game changer? You know, I've mentioned some of the benefits, if you will, of this membership program and some of these programs. But what I haven't talked about yet, because Mm -hmm. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know this alliance is going to lead to extraordinary things that we have not even thought of yet. 
These expert minds in sarcoidosis who are coming together on these leadership committees that we have just developed as part of the alliance, these masterminds are coming together to pull together the strengths and the expertise from each one of these global institutions. And that is going to lead to extraordinary things that we have not even thought of yet, which is what is so exciting about this incredible global initiative. You know, Mayor, I know why they picked you as CEO. I mean, you're just pumping me up through the Zoom chat. You know, I'm like, this journal club sounds cool. I love what you're doing. I do love the fact that you're giving a resource to doctors everywhere in the world to kind of just bounce cases off one another. Because I think if I had any wish list as a clinician, I wish I just had more people I could bounce ideas off of. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it is rare and there's not one way to do things. And that was cool. That one really hit home when you said that. I like it. But you know, Dr. Rogers, so yep. interesting to say that. And that's really what we found so interesting when we were meeting these different clinicians. You know, we've always heard from the patients that they feel alone and isolated living with a chronic rare mm -hmm. disease. Mm -hmm. But what was really an interesting learning when we were talking to the doctors we also heard from them, just what you were just saying. Many of them are working uh, in a, what they call a silo. They're, they're working individually at their institution and have to fight hard for the things that they need. And they don't have someone to bounce things off of necessarily. Yeah. And so I believe that is also of great value uh, to them, this alliance. Uh, and we've seen much mentorship already take place uh, with these introductions to each other and to the different institutions. So you're absolutely right about that, that we heard that from many, many clinicians. So let me ask you this. So it has been, you know, super heartening to see the concerted efforts that FSR has put forth to ensure that all patients have access to the care and support they need, which means a lot to me. So why is this, in regards to the patients having access to this care, important to you? Oh, another great question, <laughs> and I'm energized to answer it. Okay, so when I joined FSR, obviously was doing a lot of reading about sarcoidosis, and it kept coming to the forefront that African-American women had the highest percentage, right, of yes. a community who had uh, sarcoidosis and yeah. by far the worst outcomes. Yeah. So sarcoidosis is a disease of disparities. And so we wanted to do something about this. So we created this national campaign called Ignore No More. It was a five-month national campaign. Uh -huh. uh, and it was all about raising awareness amongst the African-American women uh, community, but also the clinician community. And we keep the patient at the center of everything that we do. So we created a patient committee consisting of 15 African-American women. Oh. And we also put together a clinician committee of clinicians who had published data in this space, uh, who were very passionate about this issue. And we just had an amazing campaign that had a Twitter chat, an infographic, and uh, some other initiatives associated. But what was really great was when an African-American woman actress, Gerald Prescott Galeen from The Walking Dead, All the Queen's Men, yeah. she is, has been living with sarcoidosis oh. for a long time, but okay. most recently was diagnosed with cardiac sarcoidosis. Oh. 
found okay. out about the campaign mm-hmm. and she had not gone public before with her sarcoidosis, but wanted to work with us. She believed strongly in this campaign. Yep. And so she joined us on this campaign and she did a wonderful video PSA. Anyway, the whole campaign led to over 500 million media impressions. That's amazing. 30 partners on the campaign. Wow. So now we're in phase two. It's called yep. Ignore No More. Uh, And it's all about ensuring that more of the Black community are engaged and enrolled in research and clinical trials for sarcoidosis. Because again, we have to ensure that we are having representation of those who are having the highest prevalence of the disease and the worst outcomes, unfortunately, in research so that we can get a better understanding of the disease that will help all communities. So this campaign is called Act Now, Phase 2 of Ignore No More. Mm-hmm. We did a national patient survey. Our goal was to have 250 responses. We had 406 responses. Oh, it was doubled. Wow. And we put together a key opinion leaders thought workshop. They came up with recommendations. Then we did a focus group. Uh, They evaluated the recommendations, and we are launching our white paper at a congressional briefing on Capitol Hill on May 24th with a congressional ask, which is going to be really exciting. (laughs) I have to keep that a little secretive at this point as we continue (laughs) moving forward. But seriously, it will be an ask that will impact everybody at the national level in an important way. Uh, for people to be able to be more supportive when they are considering enrolling in a clinical trial. And we're very excited about this. And it's really, quite frankly, very important work, not just for sarcoidosis, right? For all diseases, Uh, we have to do a better job of our clinical trials. And again, ensuring that the Black community is enrolled in clinical trials that more really supports the outcomes of these diseases. No, I mean, I'm thinking about my own patients here at USC and yeah, I mean, about 50%, what a surprise hits the numbers. It's, you know, black women and they got it tough, a lot of them, you know, and I'm going to tell them about ignore no more. I think it's it's a catchy phrase we talked about during breakfast. I love the way you described the campaign. I love the target audience. No, I'm not surprised it's taken off. You guys are amazing with that. But let's go to kind of why you agreed to come here, because in a couple of a week, it's going to be April and it's going to be, you know, Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. Okay, tell me what what you have in plan uh, for this year's Awareness Month and how can uh, people get involved? Oh, thank you. Great question. So every year we come up with a new theme for April, which is Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. And this year, our theme is Stand Up for Sarcoidosis. Ah. It's a four-week campaign. And Stand Up and Act is the first week. Stand Up and Know, Stand Uh Up and Listen, and Stand Up for Hope. So so we're going to be doing a lot of social media. We have an incredible T-shirt Uh, that we have created at FSR that people have been buying literally uh, off the shelves. We have our different sarcoidosis uh, alliance members that are buying them in dozens uh, to to their teams. 
But we really want people to take a pledge on how they plan to take an active role in moving the needle forward for sarcoidosis. Um, We're also asking the community to share facts about the disease and the resources. Nice. Find that the more that you know people talk about sarcoidosis, the more people can play a role in changing the life of someone who's feeling isolated and alone in their journey. Uh, so we're really excited about this. Uh, it's going to be a very robust campaign with media. Uh, we've hired a media consultant to help us uh, reach the media about this, as well as I said, social media campaign and working with all of our alliance members and our our, our database with about yeah. sixty thousand members that we have in our database. So I'm sure everybody out there will be hearing about uh, sarcoidosis <laughs> during April. We have a couple of buildings that are going to be. Uh, Lighted in purple. Purple represents uh, color. <laughs> and so we're very, very excited about this. And we hope everybody joins us. They can find out more at stopsarcidosis.org about this year's campaign. And let me just uh, say for all this cool stuff and the T-shirt, which sounds pretty awesome, I'm going to put it in our show notes. So have your peeps talk to my peeps. We'll put in the show notes. If anyone wants to get that T-shirt, uh, they could definitely get that. And fantastic. Yeah, and Dr. Raj, we'll send you a T-shirt if you if, if you uh, promise us you'll you'll wear it in public and speak up and stand <laughs> up for Sark. <laughs> you, dude, you don't have to twist my arm on that one. That's a gimme <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay, that's a done. That's a done deal. And um, let me talk about my community over here, you know, there's a lot of people that always come up to me when they see me as a doc and they're like, okay, yes, we're managing your sarcoid and this, but they do want to know how they can get more involved. So I think that's my next question for you, whether it's April sarcoidosis awareness or just in general, how can communities become more involved in their disease state? Well, the first thing that people can do and communities can do is to join FSR. It's free. Uh, But if you enter in your email address, then uh, people get connected to the organization uh, and they find out about all of our ongoing initiatives that that we have planned. Um, And many of our initiatives are not just sarcoidosis specific, uh, but they are uh, specific to living with the disease um, and how people can become empowered and engaged and involved in, in, in all of that. Uh, But we provide a lot of education, again, both for clinicians as well as our patients and, of course, family members and friends. So we want to have large communities uh, involved with us and engaged with us in supporting those living with sarcoidosis and supporting the researchers and the doctors who are doing so much to advance sarcoidosis globally. So there's lots of things that can be done, like, Mm -hmm. you know, virtual walks or like the stand up for SAR. And it's fun. It's fun to get engaged with just a spirited group uh, who's accomplishing great things and uh, wants to accomplish more and invite everybody to join us. I love it. Now, I threw this last question in here because I always like a closing question because honestly, you've accomplished so much. You know what I mean? I think You've been involved in every organ in the, bo- in the body, like sarcoid muscles and lung and heart. What what are your what are your goals for yourself? And 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 cascade that to anything. What how do you see FSR going in the future? Well, I think they're kind of the goals are hand in hand. Uh, we work as as we all know specifically on sarcoidosis, but my team and I we always talk about the fact that 
we want to advance the needle for sarcoidosis, of course, but we also want to be leaders in the rare disease and chronic disease space. Okay. So this is how we approach our work at FSR. Yes, it's to move the needle first and foremost on sarcoidosis, but we want to really be thinking out of the box. We really want to be able to align ourselves with entities that are much bigger than we are, right? We're yep. a, a small to mid-sized nonprofit, and it's tough to be a, a rare disease like sarcoidosis alone. We have to align ourselves with others. And so we want to come up with models like the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance and like the Ignore No More campaign that can not only help move sarcoidosis forward, but can also help other chronic disease organizations and institutions to learn from these types of models that can also help in their disease states. So we're all moving collectively for a much healthier America. Oh, you know, let me just, I promise I'm going to read these wonderful closing remarks, but I just want to say off the cuff that, you know, for those listening today, that Mary is actually a really just awesome person, a down-to-earth person. Like I said, I met her before doing this. It's just something random because I truly felt that everything she said, all the accomplishments of FSR are genuine. And I think that hopefully I have a good inner gut feeling when it comes to that. So you're amazing, Mary. I just want to let you know that. Everyone out there, if you want to get more information, go to www.stopsarcoidosis.org to find out how to become involved with FSR and the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance, any volunteer opportunities, and to support with a donation. And with that being said, Mary, you're awesome. Thank you for coming today. And I just know this is not going to be the end of our conversations. I look forward personally to doing more things with you and FSR in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Raj. And thank you to all the listeners. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning into the Dr. Raj podcast in dedication of Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. Stay tuned for our next podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.